Hi, this is Jason. Thanks for listening to our weekly teaching podcast here at Casper Alliance Church. We're currently finishing up our Revelation study that we've been doing this whole entire fall. This is week 14, and we're looking at Revelation chapter 21. This next year, 2022, we're excited about what we're calling the Year of Biblical Literacy. We stole that from some other churches out there. But we love it. We're looking forward to it. So there are all kinds of new content coming. If you'd like to find that content, you can download our app on your uh, tablet or phone. Search for Casper Alliance Church in your app store. Download the double C's and check us out there. Or you can follow us on socials, facebook.com forward slash Casper Alliance Church or our website, casperchurch.com. Hey, hope you have a great end of the year. Understand where I'm going in the multiverse. Just sync up with me. Okay, every Sunday, all right, let's start with this. This is the 14th week in Revelation. 14, uh, we're coming to the close. Christmas Eve will finish Revelation. And you're like, that's not a Christmas. It is, I'm telling you, it's a Christmas story. But we're gonna connect it. I'm gonna try my best to connect it with you. But every Sunday morning, every single Sunday morning, I, I stand in this room and something happens in my brain to where I want to come up and say the thing that I probably shouldn't say, but I'm going to say it anyway. And there are some days where I filter it and say, don't listen to the inner beast inside of you. <laughs> Push it down. And then I think, of, I think of my beautiful bride, and she's like, don't, I don't want to embarrass my wife. And then, then I'm like, there's some Sundays where I'm just like, I'm going to say it. It doesn't matter. It's something different than what I planned on, but I'm going to say it. So this is where we're going to get simpatico. Um, it's not scripture. I want to go back to... Let's go to the, op- put the opening line of the last song we sang, the opening, like the, uh, I don't know if it's verse one, but put it up there. Okay, here's what I need us to understand. As we've marched through the book of Revelation from beginning to end, I, w- I want you to get a picture of what's happening in Revelation, like very clearly. The beginning of the Bible, the end of the Bible are, are the bookends of the entire story of God. And what's gonna happen here? Uh, as we close, as we close this chapter out and finish the book, um, we're I, we're I think we'll be reminded of creation. But as we were singing this song this morning. I, I kept thinking, there's there, I want to I want you to catch this. This is really important. Now this isn't scripture. This is singing, which we derive a lot of our worship music from the scriptures, so that's important. But I want you to catch these words, okay? You were the word in the beginning. At the very beginning, if you were to go all the way back to the beginning and uh, you, you start to read the beginning of the story, Genesis, you, will, you get a snapshot, a picture, allusions that, that Jesus was there. And in, and in John, we're told that in the very beginning, the word was there, the word was over, this, we're there. we get a picture that Jesus is there, all right? And so... You, uh, one with God, the Lord Most High. So we're getting to this kind of um, this this song is grabbing at themes in Scripture, specifically the unity and Trinity uh, and the presence of God. So Jesus being one with God, the Lord Most High. And then here's a, here's a really kind of fun phrase. You are hidden, your hidden glory in creation. Meaning when, when God put this ball of dirt into motion and started spinning it and then started spinning that spinning thing around the sun and all of these things spinning, hidden within, hidden within this 
This creation is the glory of Jesus Christ. The power, the glory, and, and, and at that point, and if we think about um, Genesis 3 where the story of sin takes shape and, and Moses says, uh, he gives the Genesis 3, 15 and 16 passage where he talks about, about uh, you, you bruise the head, he'll bite the heel. That, like that whole, the picture, of, it's called proto-evangelism if you want to talk about uh, theology for a second. It's the beginning of how, how through the next whatever millions of years is going to be fixed by Jesus, okay? So in, and this is where I, we have to grab this. In God's creation, in, his, in what he has done, the, the message of Christ, the, the little, the little, um, the little, uh, little nuggets along the way has continued to be dropped to where the biblical authors kept talking about the Messiah, kept talking about the Messiah, kept talking about the Messiah. Like someday from the line of David, from the stump of Jesse, the Messiah, 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 we read the Isaiah passages um, about for unto us a son is born, a child is given. And, and we talk about Bethlehem. Well, Bethlehem, all these little seeds, these little droplings are coming. That's in creation. God is, is putting that in his, in, into the minds of the writers, into his story that just pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, because there's a fix that's coming. This chaos that you're experiencing, the sea that we're living in is going to be fixed. I'm going to fix it. And there's just been these droplings, these little, little seedlings. I think, about our, um, I think about our kitchen, right? Our kitchen's chaos now. It's chaos. And we don't even know how to function in it well. Like we don't even function in it. Like you, you just look at it and you go, ah. Oh. Yes, let's eat out for the next five, six, seven, eight, ten weeks, right? All right, but let's go back to the, I'm sorry, simpatico multiverse. My bad, you didn't know where I was going. Um, so then, eventually, in the story of Scripture and in, in earth and history, you now revealed you in Christ. We revealed this power, this glory, this thing that's going to fix it. Now, I want you to go to the pre-chorus. And this is the part that hit me when, I was, when we were singing it. Uh, I think it's pre-chorus, right? Is there a pre-chorus? The veil is torn or is that the bridge? Is that the bridge? Let's go to the bridge. This moment in time. This particular moment in our history, in the earth's history, is the line in the sand. To where, to where God says, this is it, and from this day forward, be ready. Not just, hey, the Messiah's coming. Hey, at some point, we're going to drop some seedlings and let you know that well, there's going to be a fix. Or, hey, the insurance people, the adjuster's going to come over to your house and fix the chaos at some particular point of time. Hey, can you get your hands on a contractor to come do No, this, this is the spiritual fix. And here, as we sang it, I'm going, this is the moment. And remember, Revelation is all about choosing a side. It, the whole book, it's not a code. It's not, a, it's not some sort of secret Gnostic message. It's about either you're going to choose to die with evil or live with Christ. 
That's your choice. You either be on one line, and we've added all sorts of human goofiness to it. And it's, again, I've said this for a bunch of weeks in a row now, it was stolen from the church. It's supposed to inspire us, to get us into the fight, to tell us to, to show up, to step in, to say, you know what? We're going we're gonna to choose life in this part of the battle, and we're going to try to suck as many people over here as we possibly can. But here's the deal. Death cannot hold you. The veil, the veil tearing is one of the most significant moments in history. And we talk about it at Easter, but I'm telling you, it is the most significant thing that God has done since resurrecting Christ. When this, and they happened at the exact same time. When that, the, like this whole time period right here, the veil tearing does one very important thing. It gives us a picture of Revelation 21. Because... Bible scholars, when the veil is torn, what happens? We have access, immediate access. Immediate access to what? The, to God, the holy of holies. The holy, we have access into the presence of God. The holy of holies is now available. So when the, when the veil's torn, the historic event that historians have written about, this thing that shouldn't tear, tore. And not even spiritually speaking. Talking this moment right here. The veil tour, meaning the presence of God, is readily available, accessible, and an invitation for anybody to come on in. Come on in, friends. Come on in, church. Come on in, Greece. Come on. Whoever wants to come on in or is invited to partake in what was ever behind that veil. Before it was just secrets and it was all kinds of fun stuff and things that only special people do. And if your name was Levi, you could go in there and hang out and take a couple baths and all kinds of neat and special things inside of the, inside of the Holy of Holies. But now, now the Holy of Holies is wide open. And, and then, we're not going to get into it. Well, we might. When the veil is... The presence of God is available. It has a couple of ramifications. Not just the invitation for us to participate, to us to join in, to us to kind of go, yeah, but it does this thing. Sin, the grave, silenced. You have no authority. You have no power. You have no words. You have no cling to us. You have nothing. Nothing. You have been silenced. That is a powerful move. By, by God. To silence the thing that we fear the most. And when the veil was torn and the access to the presence was available to us and we were able to walk in, the most important thing happened. The grave was silenced. Now here's the deal. This is the response to that silence. The heavens are roaring. They're praising his glory. Because Christ conquered the grave. Go to the next part of the bridge. As we've gone through Revelation and we've talked through it, the last three or four chapters have all been about, or five chapters, I don't even know, since like 17 of Revelation, have been about evil creating a parody of God, a fake trinity, the beast, 
the dragon, the prostitute, this, this unholy parody of the Trinity. We sang this morning, you have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, you reign, God. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Your name is above all names. So here's what happens in our, in our history of life and in on walking this ball of dirt. We continue to try to put things in the place of what God has done already and presenting Jesus as the thing that has no rival, no equal, that conquered the grave, that tore the veil, that gave access. And then when Jesus comes and walks the earth after he's raised from the dead, he's different. Completely different. So much so that we get the story of the road to Emmaus where people are walking with him and they're like, don't even recognize him. And then he turns and he reveals himself and they're like, oh, what? You are the... And that, that, that is the picture of, of the glorified body, the glorified life, the difference of having, of, of conquering all of the garbage. And we, we name garbage evil, sin, grave, whatever, but it's garbage. It's the kale of the world. <laughs> it is absolute trash. And we just live in it but here's the point. We sang this morning, and I don't know, I want you to catch the significance of it. The greatest moment in history is when the veil was torn and we were able to walk into the presence of God. You have to grab that because that's what Revelation is showing us here at the very end. That you, this is different. We are different. Everything is different. All things are new. We are, it's built different. We joke about that here, like, right, Wyoming's built different. We were just having this conversation recently about how, how trees aren't, like, knocked down around Wyoming, and it just blows 70 miles an hour nonstop for, like, four days. You have to be a different human being to live here. You notice how my hair is different this week? <laughs> you know how annoying it is to have your hair just, like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, it was Wednesday night, and I was like, enough! I left this like little spot because I, you know, couldn't reach it, and I didn't fix it for like two days, and it's just like there. But like, it's just we're different though here, and this is the whole point of what I think Revelation is trying to teach the church: you have to be different, you're built different, and there's a reason why because of all of this this fake garbage that's going to continue to invade us and, and attack us and, and, and try to turn us and to convince us and to shift us and to say it's better on this side. We can provide more wealth. We can provide more prosperity. We can provide more whatever on this side. It's, it's an enticement that continues to try to suck us in and it's garbage. And we've read through that for, you know, 20 chapters. Turn with me to Revelation 21. Most of you know I don't have an inner monologue. I just, I say what I think and I talk and I, so like if you've been around me for a long period of time or three years or 20 or you've had any sort of conversation with me, I don't have a lot of filter. That can provide positive experiences for people and I'm telling you very negative experiences for people. Um, I don't usually comment on the way people look, mostly because I know what mirrors are. 
But you'll hear like this constant, if, you, if you're with me, you'll hear um, a, a conversation that's happening um, just about things I'm thinking about. Uh, they, what do they call that? I'm a verbal processor. Is that right? Is that what it is? I'm a verbal processor. I, I, I'm thinking through as I say things. But there's a consistent kind of thing that's going on in my world that I just keep thinking about. And I've said it a lot re- recently in that, that, um, that I'm having this argument with, with myself now at this point. It's just it's me. Did, did God usher in chaos or did God remedy chaos? Did God create chaos so that we could we could um, follow him more deeply and trust in him more fully, or did God, is tr- God trying to solve chaos? And not that he needs to solve it, because he did, right? But that's like a, a regular kind of conversation. And so like when things happen in our life that's chaotic, I'm like, is God putting that there for me to learn something, or is evil putting it there so me to get angry at God? You see how that, now, you all have a chaos, right? Like some people's kitchens are blowing off, some people's roofs are blowing off, right? So there's like this combo platter that we all experience, right? Like, and and is, is COVID for chaos purposes or is it for, for godly purposes to bring us all into a... I mean, you see how you can apply that to everything, right? And so I, 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 I have this sort of experience regularly on chaos. And then as I've taught recently and I've talked publicly, I, the, the scriptures uh, allude to the sea as chaos, as this thing that evil births regularly. Um, so I'm going to tell a quick story and then we're going to, um, the other day, Wednesday night, I think it was Wednesday night, I was like, oh, I'm going to make my family beef stroganoff, right? Beef stroganoff. So I put in the morning, I put, uh, a chuck roast in the crock pot, put some seasonings in it and the house probably smelled amazing. And I got home uh, and, and I started cutting up the chuck roast into like little bite-sized pieces, and it was so tender and tasty. And then I went and cooked these egg noodles and made a sauce and put it all together, right? And I mean, nobody really liked it, but it was fine. <laughs> and so I, 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 I was like so happy because I had then like four meals in a row cooking. We hadn't eaten out that week yet, right? And, um, and so like, cool. And then so then I started cleaning up, and you know, right? We live in America. You can just put whatever you want down the garbage disposal, right? No, you can't. So I dumped this pasta that was left over down the garbage disposal. And what I found out, pasta makes a cement block in your pipes. It like water hits in and it expands and just goes and sticks there, right? So, you know, at about, it's Wednesday night, about like 10, 11, well, no, it was earlier than that, like 8, 39, our sinks are clogged. I'm like, always, right? It's always clogged. So, you know, I go get some Drano, and I put some in there, and I go get the plunger, like an intelligent adult male, and I'm, like, plunging my sink, and the Drano says don't plunge, and, you know, I'm, like, I'm doing everything you're not supposed to do. And, I, I'm, you know, I'm creating a beautiful brick of pasta. This is only after the fact, right, that I found this out. Trial and error, right? I have no idea. Um, I, the next morning, I call our resident plumber, Rick, and I say, hey, Rick, can you come help me snake this thing out? I say, and he's like, I'm actually working today. Leave me alone. <laughs> That's a paraphrase, but I read into it. That's what he was saying. And, and so I was like, okay. So I call, I, and I had an appointment with Roto-Rooter, and if anybody's messed with Roto-Rooter, you know it's a scam. But I, I had to get this thing worked out. So I called up. I just worked on the line. And, I mean, that's like weeks out for, like, plumbers. But our kitchen sink's backed up. And so I finally got a hold of somebody. Got them on, they got on the list. They sent me a message and said, we'll be there between 9 and 11. You know, they came at 1.30. And, <laughs> and we're... 
Like this guy, this guy's like, oh, this should be easy. It's, and I told him what it was, and he's like, yeah, it's pasta. I'll break through the pasta, and it'll be fine. And he starts breaking through. The sink slowly drains. He's like, I got to go under the house into the crawl space, right? So he goes down to the crawl space, starts tinkering around in the crawl space. And, and he, he's like, okay, I got it. It's pasta. He takes a bucket down there. He, we already have, like, the right sort of, like, setup. Our, people who built our house are good people. They've, like, put breaks in the pasta, or the pasta holes. They made pasta holes for us or meat holes, you know, wherever, whatever you want to scoop out. We can do it. We have all sorts of places along our main line to where somebody can go into our house, open it up, grab it, put it in a bucket, and take it out of our house. So I can shove anything really down my pipes. I mean, they'll, they can clean it out really, but it costs $189 every single time. <laughs> and so here's what happens. This guy goes and cleans out our pasta, and he says, you shouldn't put pasta down your sink anymore. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, I won't put pasta down your sink. And then he goes back down, and he's like, I'm going to clean a couple things up. He goes down, and he comes charging out of the, out of the crawl space. Now, the crawl space is, you know, it's a square in my wife's office. I can fit in it, so it's like, but most normal humans get to boom into like a four-foot drop down. There's plenty of space. He comes charging out of there and starts running around the house trying to find something. And, and he, it's chaotic. He runs outside. And this, he, does, I, he like runs outside, looks at the house, and then he goes and grabs a refrigerator and pulls a refrigerator, and it's spraying water everywhere. And he, he doesn't even say anything. He just runs, drops back down in the, in the crawl space, turns the water off. He goes, you have a leak. I'm like, clearly we have a leak. <laughs> right? Chaos. Chaos happens in our house. Absolute bananas. Now, did God create that chaos? What happens if my plunging in my Drano experience works? And it clears the pipe. What happened if Rick comes over? He's not going in the basement. I'm not going under there either. We're like, and he, he snakes it and it's done. What happens? What, what started as a, a problem, and it is a problem, turns into a disaster and a catastrophe and chaos and chaos and chaos. So we're sitting at dinner. I don't know where we, we were talking with Carter a little bit. And Carter was like, why do bad things keep happening to us? And I was like, because we're the Faisals. That's like part of our plan. <laughs> and so then we started talking spiritually about these sort of things. And as, we re as you unpack it, wherever you give credit is who gets ownership of your struggle, right? I could easily say God did all this and get mad at God and be angry at God and get slowly disengage and say there's nothing but chaos in my life chaos in my life, chaos, and God creates chaos. Or I could look at all the things that happened to where God protected us from having a disaster, disaster. All the water went towards this part of the house. If you've been in our house, it didn't go towards the hardwood. Could you imagine all that hardwood if you've been in our home? Like our whole house is hardwood on the front side of it. And like original hardwood. None of it. It all went the other direction. Surf Pro was like, how did that even happen? Now, the story is, is water is chaos. It really is. Water is destructive, and it still is. Water is horrible. Let's read Revelation 21. Let me show you what happens right away. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the old heaven and the old earth disappeared. And the sea was also gone. God removed the water. 
And I saw a holy city in the New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. When Adrienne walked down the aisle the first time 20 years ago, January 6th, 20 years ago, and I saw her. Now, I've seen my, my fiance, my girlfriend, multiple times, like daily for years. But when she walked in, walked in, and I saw my bride for the first time, I teared up. I, got, I don't get emotional. God took all of my tears away when I was a junior higher. And if you want to ask me, I'll tell you the story. If you really want the story, you can ask my mom. And it was all sucked from me. I don't cry hardly ever. When she stepped down the aisle, I, w- I was like, ooh. And, I was like, and, it, and there's a close-up of the video, VHS. I don't know if you guys know what those things are. But of, of, of my face. And, and, and like you can see me welling up. Because it, it was like this moment to where I was like, this is my bride who I get to spend the rest of my life with. And I, we enjoy each other and I love you so much and we're gonna get married. There's an experience that happens that where you just like, and you like come together and you're like, this is so sweet. This is why, hey, my, my kid and his friend are here. This is why we promote so heavily that high school relationships are just kind of testing relationships out because the real thing The real thing matters so much. And you'll never be sorry for waiting for the real thing. You'll never be sorry, ever. Because when that happens, it's a joy that just, it's hard to describe. But the scriptures is doing it. And this this is scriptures grabbing a hold of it and saying, the bride, the beautifully dressed for her husband is coming down. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. Think about this. God's home is amongst his people. Where did God live before this? If you're a first century Jew prior to Jesus' crucifixion, prior to Pentecost, where did God live? In his tabernacle. Amongst the whole, in the Holy of Holies. Behind the what? Behind the veil. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe, and this is what we kind of cling to, right? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. We focus on that, but get this. God is living with us. The creator of the heavens and earth is living. Like you can knock down and like walk over to 227 and knock on the door and say, hey, God, thanks for having me in. Let's get a cup of coffee because that's the only drug in heaven. I'm convinced of it is we will have coffee in heaven. But like, but it's like, hey, let's go have brunch, God. Think about this. He lives with his people. The fancy biblical word for living with your people is what? Tabernacle. He tabernacles with his people. But he's been giving taste of this all along. Paul teaches in Corinthians what? That we are the temple of God. That he is with us. This is a a little bit different. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from out of heaven, the bride. I heard a shout, he's living with his people Verse five, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. 
And then he said to them, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. Have we heard that before? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all of these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worship, and all liars... Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then I saw one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, come with me, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So he took me to the, in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of the heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like precious stone, like jasper as crystal. The city wall was broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels and the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were these gates on the east, each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the angel who talked to me held it in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city. Like, not just like, hey, this is a normal, like, yardstick. It's like, this is a fancy one. It's a magical gold stick that we're going to measure everything with. Even the measurement things are pretty special. When he measured it, he found that it was square, as wide as it was long. And in fact, its length and width and height were all 1,400 miles. What did he just describe? He described a cube. There's a cube coming down from heaven. Then he measured the walls and found that they were 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. The wall is made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first, jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, agate, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, onyx, the sixth, carnelian, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, I can never say that one, and the eleventh, jacinth, and the twelfth, amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. That's a big pearl. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. I saw no temple in the city. This is important. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need for sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there. And all of the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anything, anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty. But only those whose names are written on the Lamb's Book of Life, going into chapter 22. And this is where I want to kind of camp out for a minute. Then the angel so, showed me the river with the water of life, crystal clear, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. Now, here, just for a second, I just want to remind you, when you get a description of Babylon and you see the picture that's happened in, like, Revelation 18 and 19, um, and you see the fall, all, all of the descriptions of Babylon, the, 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 um, the rivers flow, or the streets flowing with blood, remember that? And, the, and like just it, everything is the exact opposite of what we're getting pictured here. It's the exact opposite. Everything that we saw building up to this point is, is the polar opposite of what God has created and intended, okay? 
It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river, there was a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with fresh crop for each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse among, upon anything. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. And here's the key, verse four. And they will see his face. They will see his face. You have to grasp this. It's not just, hey, we get to worship. Hey, we get to go to church. Hey, we get to read the Bible. You will see the face of God. This is the, this is, why is there no temple? Because there is no protection. There doesn't need to be anything that separates us. There's no separation anymore. You get to walk, live, and see the face of God. That's the most important thing in the entire book of Revelation. The end game is you get to look at God. And he looks at you and he says, you are my child. This should inspire us to, to just live forcefully waiting and longing for this experience to see the face of God. And I think we kind of just gloss over that and say, oh, there's no more tears. There's no more crying. There's no more death. No, 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 no. The face of God. So for all of you Steven Spielberg fans and Raiders of the Lost Ark people, what happens in the presence of God before this moment? You melt. Your face melts. You just, you deteriorate. Um, if you're a YouTube person, just go look up Raiders of, Lark, Raiders of Lost Ark face melting. Don't do it with your children. Just, but up until this, the presence of God was destructive to people. You have to capture. Eugene Peterson said that the new heaven and new earth is usually reduced to heaven and completely misunderstood. The frequency in which John's vision of heaven is bloated by make-believe into anti-biblical fantasy is one of the wonders of our world. N.T. Wright said, the marriage of heaven and earth is the ultimate rejection of every worldview. It separates us from the construct of this planet and how we've broken it. It's the final answer to the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come. See, when we sing about God's kingdom, when we sing about these particular things, it's not just heaven. It's the presence of God. When the veil is torn, it's access to the Holy of Holies, to be able to walk with Jesus, to be able to talk with the Lord. I hope, and I've joked about this for probably 20 years, I hope there's a museum in heaven called the Hall of Understanding. So we get to walk through it, and we, and we get to go and stand next to it, and we hit the button, and there's the anima, animatronic characters that be like, Calvinism was a lie. <laughs> and then we get to 
we get a doc to the next one and goes, Arminianism was a lie. And we get to walk over to this one and it says, speaking in tongues the way you described it was a lie. And all of these things that have separated churches end up being a big lie. And here's the point. Because we have divided as churches over generations and generations and generations because we focus on so many other things. We focus on trying to be right more than trying to be in the presence of the Lord. And I'm telling you, the more the church, not just the Christian Missionary Alliance or the Southern Baptist or the Assembly of God or the uh, Converge, which I grew up in, or the Nazarene Church, or how many of you have gone to a different church other than the one I've already listed, and the Lutheran Church, the Catholic Church, the, the missionary church, the church of Christ, if we stop talking about all of the nonsense that divides us and talk about the one thing that unites us, we would have such a powerful ministry mission on this planet and we'd be able to every single day of every single week cast our nets to the other side of evil and suck them back in. But we're spending so much time going, oh, you know what? This sort of theology is accurate. And if, you're, if you don't believe it, you can go to a different church. If this sort of theology is accurate, you, you know what? You're going to go straight to hell. Like those are the ways in which the churches have created division. Oh, God's people creating division. And what's happening here in Revelation is it's not about the doctrine. Do you see any doctrine here? Do you see any weird theology? Not that Calvinism and Arminianism and speaking in tongues. Like we have, should have opinions, I guess. But it's not discussed here. Why? Because the presence of God blows it all up. Amen. And I, I don't want to be loosey-goosey with our theology. We're never going to be. We're biblical authority people. We love to understand and teach the scriptures. I'm, not talking, I'm talking like we get sidetracked and we lose track. And then all of a sudden it's not about Jesus anymore. It's about us being right. And I'm not saying that we do that here. We're pretty good about ourselves. <laughs> Come to Sunday school. We're all over the place. <laughs> I'm telling you, if we're all over the place. Okay, let me wrap this up. In the presence of God, there is no chaos. Right? It's just gone. There's no confusion. There's no road rage. There's no TikTok, which... I might be like 10% disappointed because I kind of like TikTok. You know that. Only like in the iron, ironic type of way. Like I'm an adult and I shouldn't be like making videos. But in the presence of God, there's no chaos. Imagine a world with no chaos. I, I hope that Google takes us down and we don't go on YouTube. Imagine a country that elects a reality star and then follows it up with, you know what? <laughs> chaos, right? It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. It's all chaotic. Hear that. It's all chaotic. When everybody's trying to gain power, chaos ensues. It doesn't matter your political bent or not. It's just all bonkers. What a distraction by evil to just make us consume. I can't wait for Tuesday morning's press conference with President Biden telling us all the things that we need to stop doing again. It's chaos. Imagine a world without it. Imagine Eden. 
The serpent comes in at the beginning. He just institutes chaos by asking a question. Why? Why were you told not to? Why? How many have some chaotic work experiences right now? Right? Chaos at work. Imagine having a work environment where there's no chaos, where everybody just comes in and gets along and sales are high and everybody's doing their job and everybody loves to pay their premiums and all the things and nobody shows up at your office and asks you to, to guarantee that they're going to cover your broken kitchen and that you got a doofus there. I hope you're watching. <laughs> Sorry if any of you work for Allstate. <laughs> but here's the deal. When, when, when heaven meets earth, new creation the veil being torn, that moment in history I talked about at the beginning, the whole world is the holy of holies. We can't understand that right now because all we know is this. The whole world is the holy of holies. Okay, last thing, I promise. This reality, this belief this vision or picture that Revelation teaches us that we get to see the face of God and live in the presence of God has to orient the Christian experience. That is your compass to how you live your life. It has to be your compass to how you live today. That the, the presence of God and looking at him face to face drives me to promote justice, drives me to have self-control, drives me to experience love and to show love, to have joy even though my kitchen's exploded, to, to, be able to, to be able to be gentle and kind and loving to your neighbor and to be able to look at somebody with respect and dignity because you're driven, you're driven by the, by the presence of God. Not by some to-do list or some jacked up opinion that you have, but like you are driven by the presence of God to be in his presence so much to infuses all of your behavior to where you're progressively sanctified to becoming more like Christ. And you know what's really crazy is we talk about this imputed righteousness that when Christ is in you, the, the reality is when we are in the Holy of Holies, that is our experience. It's not imputed anymore. It's just us. And I believe, where I believe, and this is the final thing I'm going to say. We're going to talk about Revelation 22 on Christmas Eve. When the veil was torn, that reality, not in its fullness, but in a large percentage should be experienced now by the followers of Christ. Right now. This is why when you get into uh, John 14, 15, and 16, and, and Jesus says you'll do greater things. The spirit of God in the, in, the, in the life of the believer is as a power source that only comes from heaven. And the new heaven and new earth is that thing that we're grabbing a hold of. What's true about us, what's true about us spiritually, what's true about us spiritually right now, when the new heaven and new earth exist, becomes true about us physically. This is why Jesus wasn't recognized on the road to Emmaus. The glorified body and there's a lot, we could have a longer conversation about that. But understand this, the presence of God empowers the believer to do remarkable things for the kingdom of God. We should not be motivated by no more tears, no more grave, no more death. We should be motivated by being in the presence, by the temple, 
not existing because the temple is Jesus and we have access. The veils torn were there, all right? Um, there's so much more to say. I'm done. Uh, I would, let's do, I'm going to invite the worship team up. And just because um, I've been talking about it, let's do bridge and chorus of, of the song. I don't even know the name of the song. I'm the worst when it comes to names of songs. Why don't you stand with me as the worship team comes? Let me pray. Father in heaven, one day we will be in your presence. We will experience you face to face. And what we experience now spiritually will actually be our physical being as well. And so Lord, stir us up. Stir us up towards love and good deeds.